Hi, my friends, and welcome to From Here to There. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing about the lives of many people throughout history and people alive today that God has worked through in order to bring increase and influence of His kingdom here on earth. But in this first series, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my story, how God was able to take me from powerless to powerful and from the nest to the nations. I really believe that as you listen, God is going to give you keys to moving forward toward your God destiny. So let's get started with this week's message. Whether you realize it or not, all of us face cultural adjustments every day. It could be felt as we work with different personality types, or for sure in marriage when we have to adjust to becoming one with a spouse. It affects us even more today as we try to work together with the younger and older generation and there are cultural differences. But I'll tell you, there's nothing that'll bring it to the forefront more quickly than living in another nation. Today, we're going to talk about cultural differences and the purpose that God has for differences to make us stronger and richer. Last week, we talked about launching into the new, and I was sharing about our first few months in the Philippines and some of the things we had to adjust to. But there are so many things to talk about with culture and really how God wants to use it that I wanted to dedicate an entire podcast to it. You know, I often meet people who tell me how much they'd love to travel the world. And yes, you know, it is wonderful seeing all the beautiful places and beautiful people that God has created and how they live. But I want to tell you that taking a 10-day tourist trip is nothing like moving to live in another nation. The friction that you feel when everything around you is going a different direction can affect your peace, and you've got to learn to be flexible. When I was over there in the Philippines, someone gave me a book called Third Culture Kids, and it talked about young people who move around the world with their international parents, the kind of kids that if someone asked them, where are you from, they really don't have an answer. And this book talked about the different kinds of jobs that will take people into that kind of a culture. But the underlying theme was that being in a different culture is a high level of stress on anybody. Now, especially it's stress when we're put together with someone who's different than us in marriage. It's stress when we have to work on a team with young people that don't think the way we do. But it's nothing like the stress when you are just plopped down and embedded with a different culture all around you. And you either have to go with it or you end up being frustrated and angry all the time. So I'm going to share about a few things that were really different for us when we entered our new lifestyle as missionaries in the Philippines. First of all, it's very common in the nation of the Philippines to have household help. The Philippines does not have a caste system like Nepal, but it does have a class system. And in this class system, an average, what we might call a middle-class family, would normally employ maids, maybe laundry people, nannies for their kids. And so that is the normal lifestyle there. And while there are grocery stores there in the Philippines, the normal routine in, in the Filipino household is that the helper would go to the market early in the morning and buy all the things that are needed to cook for that day. 
You know, I remember in those days, we used to drive down to Alabang to go to church on Sundays, and there was a fish market there. Now there's a super highway where that used to be. But in that fish market, all the fishermen would come in with their catch, and there was just mountains of ice on the ground, and all these fish laid out. And that would be close to the other market where all the fruits and the vegetables were. And so now I know that's the lifestyle there. But when we moved there, we tried to just go to the grocery store to buy our food. I remember one day in particular where we were pretty hungry because, first of all, you can't always find the food there that you find here. And so I was hungry, and we, J.D. and I went to the grocery store to hopefully stock our cupboards. And so up and down the aisles, we went with our basket, and there was a whole aisle of oils and sauces, soy sauce, fish sauce. There was another whole aisle of dried fish of all different kinds. There was another aisle of all kinds of noodles. The meat case had smelly pieces of meat and what looked like red hot dogs, and it didn't look too appetizing. And so up and down through the aisles, we finally get to the checkout, and I look in our basket, and it's practically empty. And I'm so disappointed because I'm hungry, and there's nothing in there to eat. There were no vegetables, no good-looking meat, certainly no milk or cheese products. And so this was very distressing that day, and we learned to adapt. We found the expat grocery stores that maybe had more of what we were used to. And I'll tell you, today, if you go to Manila, you're going to find more healthy restaurants and healthy options than you'll find even here in the United States. And so Filipinos are very adaptable people. And once they got on the modern trend of healthy foods, they've taken it to the hilt. I love the culture there of food now. But this class culture in itself was difficult because as an American, I didn't really know how to navigate this kind of a relationship. I remember one time when I used to do all my own dishes because I felt like that way I wouldn't be, quote, dumping them on my house helper and found out later that she was hurt and disappointed because she took that to mean that I really didn't value or need her. And so we had to learn how to have a close relationship but still have that distance as an employer or a person in a different class and not to view ourselves as lording it over others, but to understand that we were blessing these people by providing them with income and that they took pride in their role as a household helper. And so it really did help as far as dealing with household repairs, shopping while we were working full time at the Bible school. And so it was a lifestyle that was easy to adapt to once we learned how it worked. Secondly was the infrastructure. As Americans, we're not used to going without electricity on a regular basis or for hours or days at a time. We always have gallons of hot water available to us at any given moment. And so be thankful, my friends. You know, that was one of my biggest things of culture when I would come back to America and people were so unthankful for all of these things that nobody else in the world enjoys. And so my exhortation to you is go on a mission trip so you can see how many things you're blessed with in our country and keep praying for our country that will remain blessed because it could very easily turn the other direction and then we'll have a hard adjustment to make. So 
when we moved there, you know, there wasn't hot water. You just don't have hot water in your kitchen sink. And at first I went to boiling water on the stove to pour over my plates to disinfect them. Well, that didn't last forever. And after a while, I just became like everybody else and I just stopped worrying about it. The worst thing about no electricity was no fans in the humid heat. And traffic, as I talked about before, was like a nightmare, especially when I got my first car and I had to drive out there in it. We would regularly get into absolute gridlocks where there's a backup of traffic so the people get out of their lane and go into the other lane coming the other direction and pretty soon you have four lanes meeting four lanes and everyone's stuck and so some random bold driver will get out of their car and start directing traffic and unravel the mess and get it going again. There was a couple of years where I had an assistant helping me from the U.S. and I asked her if she would drive. And so she would just get so frustrated and angry and talk about what terrible drivers the Filipinos were. And I tried to tell her, you know what? There is a flow here. It looks like chaos and it might not fit like our system, but it's a definite system. And if you know it, you'll be able to flow with it. And if you don't know it, you're going to live in constant frustration. Another time to illustrate a different point on this culture. One of our staff was teaching a class on healing and they got into the practical aspects of not being foolish, like wear a coat if you go out in the cold and put your food in the refrigerator so that you won't get food poisoning. And after that class, one of the students came up to me and said, brother so-and-so was teaching us if we don't refrigerate our food, we could get food poisoning. But you know, we never refrigerate our food. We just leave it in the big pot until it's gone and we don't get sick. And so they can deal with germs and bacteria that we're not used to because that is their lifestyle. And so learning and understanding these things and the way people think in that nation is very important if you're going to go in there and minister to them or even try to teach kingdom culture to them. So I took a university class on culture, and I learned about a Dutch man named Geert Hofsted, who's known for his pioneering research on cross-cultural groups, and he did it. He studied all this to help organizations that had different cultures within them, and he came up with what he calls his theory on cultural dimensions. And so there were several factors that he identified and could measure in different cultures so that we could understand how the people think and how they function. These were such things as one is male-female, which actually means is the culture aggressive and competitive, or is it nurturing and sort of peacekeeping? Another one of these traits was power distance. Power distance means the degree to which the culture is willing to accept the inequality of power. Like, do they just say, sir, yes, sir, to the boss? Or do they stand up and say, now, wait a minute, I don't agree with that, like we do here in America. There are different countries have different ways of dealing with that. And these are things that I'm not here to teach and go into detail today. But you can look online for Geert Hofstede and, and see some of these measurements. And it's really quite interesting. Another one is the measure of individualism versus collectivism. In other words, do we just take care of number one? Do we just take care of ourselves? 
Or are we concerned with the group? Do we share? You know, and I remember one instance when we were having school in this big house the second year, I think, and one of our families was living in some of the rooms of this house and put their dirty pans outside to be washed and they disappeared. (laughs) And so as an American, you're thinking like, you just stole my pots. Don't you know that stealing, you know, is against the law of God? Well, you might think they're stealing, but in their culture, what belongs to one belongs to another. And so they were simply borrowing it and using it. And if you needed it, you could go look for it. (laughs) But this is a very different thing to people of Western culture and something that can not only cause frustration, but can cause false accusation and strife and disunity. Another one that I want to talk about is what Geert Hofstede calls uncertainty avoidance, which is the extent to which uncertainty is tolerated, or how flexible are we? Here we in America, we think that we can control, we want to control our lives and our situations. We think that we should have a measure of control. But in many other nations, they can't control their circumstances. There was a time when we had a big rainstorm in the Philippines, which it does often. And we were in the second floor of our condo and looking out the window into a squatter area that was lower than we were. And the water was like two feet deep inside all of the houses. But the kids were just outside running in the rain, jumping and playing and laughing. And I just thought, yeah, it's amazing that these guys are so happy when their houses and their beds and everything are soaked with water. That same storm, we had a driver for the school and he came to pick us up the next day. And with a big old grin on his face is telling us how his living room got flooded, his furniture, you know, was all ruined. And I remember being so impressed, like how happy and peaceful he was even in the midst of this devastation. And so you will notice that if you go to the Philippines and many other nations that people are very happy in their circumstances. And part of that is just because they don't feel like they have a way to change the circumstances. And it's like the title of this podcast, if you don't bend, you'll break. So they just bend and go with the flow. I shared last week how that was one of the best things I think I learned on the mission field in the first few years was just how to let go and how to flow and stop trying to organize everything and follow everything. And yet at the same time, that organizational skill standard of excellence that we have in our Western culture is something very precious that we have that we can impart and teach. And yet at the same time, we got to realize that they have things to teach us. And so You know, we can apply this kind of cultural adjustment to other nations. We could apply it to marriage. We can even apply it to working with different churches of different denominations and certainly to working among people of different generations. Ephesians 2 verse 14 says, talking of Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. The New English translation, I'm going to start in verse 13 of Ephesians 2. But now in Christ, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he is our peace, the one who made both groups into one and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility. When he nullified in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees, he did this to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by which the hostility has been killed. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who are near, so that through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, we realize that Paul here is talking about the gap and the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles, but we can apply this principle in many different situations. He says that he did this to create in himself one new man, and the New English Translation note says, In this context, he's not referring to a new individual, but instead to a new corporate entity united in Christ. And so in marriage, for example, two people are to become one, but they bring their different personalities and experiences and background, and they also bring their family cultures together into the marriage. How to blend these is often a great source of friction. For example, an introvert might be attracted to an extrovert because that person makes them feel at ease in social situations, but after a few months of marriage, it becomes an issue when the outgoing person wants to socialize all the time while the reserved person wants quiet time. So which is better, extrovert or introvert? Well, I'm sure we all think that ours is better, but the answer is neither. I learned that as an introvert, when I get under pressure... I would go into my room and close the door. While an extrovert might release pressure by saying, let's go out and have some fun. Let's have a party. Let's have people over. So which is better? What's the answer? The answer is both and, not either or. You know, as we walk in Christ and we're growing into be like Christ, Jesus knew how to be quiet with the Father, and he also knew was an expert at connecting with people. And so I often would say that when I would go and close myself in my room in some of the stressful times of ministry overseas, that maybe I just needed to open the door and come out and go out with some people and have some fun and not worry about it so much. Whereas my friend who wanted to express that pressure by going out and doing activities, you know, maybe there are times that kind of person would need to go in their room with the Lord and seek the Lord. So this is the beauty of the body of Christ, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, the many-sided wisdom of God demonstrated through the church, the multifaceted grace of God that has been distributed to his people by the Holy Spirit. When we come together as one with the mortar of love connecting us as living stones, And we can honor the differences instead of criticize them when we can look for the good in others. And not only that, receive from the grace and the good in others. We learn to adapt. We learn to flow together. We learn to bend and we don't break. We become stronger. When we go into nations as missionaries, we carry what we call a kingdom culture. And the kingdom culture is a culture of love and it's a culture of honor. 
you may be aware or have experienced how different cultures sometimes deal with time. There's time is more of a, an adjustable thing than it is to us. And so I remember going to the first wedding I went to in Manila and I got there when invitation said to get there. And literally two hours later, the bride arrived. <laughs> and so another time I was, our team was going out for a prayer school and we were told to meet up at seven. Actually, it wasn't seven. It was more like two because the sun was really hot. The church was locked and I'm sitting there on the front steps waiting and waiting and waiting. And 30 minutes later, they all show up and I'm like, well, you said two. And they said, oh, Sister Tony, we thought you knew that call time means 30 minutes before we're actually leaving. <laughs> so this is how we learned to manage kingdom culture in the church was we would say call time is two. What that means is we're really leaving at 2.30. If you're late, you're going to be on time. Isn't that so funny? But that's the way of doing it rather than having people come on time like I did and have to wait for the people that are late. To me, that is dishonor. And so that's not the kingdom culture. And so our practice became like, we're going to start on time, whether you're here or not. And yet, to adapt to Philippine culture, we could say, call time for this trip is 2, which means we're actually leaving at 2.30. So let me tell you, if you're going to another country to live, you're going to have to learn to be flexible. And if you stay as long as I did, you're going to learn that not only will that flexibility become a benefit to you, but also that you have become so rich because of all the beautiful cultural traits that are now live in your heart. You have adapted to another culture. You've accepted it as your own. And as a result, you now have the both and instead of the either or. I'm going to close here with Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, Jesus loves the world, and all of its cultures represent him in some way. So I encourage you to look for the best, for the good in others. And as you do that, together, you two will become stronger than either one of you could be on your own. Takeaways from this week. Number one, if you learn to bend, you won't break. That's so critical in missions. Number two, Jesus came to unite us in our differences. He created us differently but he has enabled us by love and by the power of his Holy Spirit to be one, even though we have different graces. Number three, we're stronger together than we are apart. A threefold cord is not easily broken. So I pray that this has been of some blessing to you. I hope that if you haven't been in another nation, you get to go because you will become richer and stronger as you learn about how other people think and how they deal with things. And so let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you, first of all, for even through the difficult times, the times that I felt like I was being pressed and squeezed and crushed and 
everything that I believed in was sort of being defied right before my eyes. I thank you, Lord, that you taught me. You taught me how to love and you taught me how to receive as I give. You taught me how to look for the good in other cultures and how to even put myself in their shoes and understand how they think and why they think the way they do. Father, I pray for those who are listening in whatever context they are where they have to deal with this kind of friction, whether it's in a work situation, whether it's in a marriage, or whether it's on a team, I pray, Lord God, that you would enlarge our capacity to love, that you would cause us to be able to see others as better, greater than ourselves, to see their perspective and their way. And that in so doing, Lord, you will expand our perspective. I do thank you for the many gifts that you've put in your people. And those who are listening, they have strengths and they have gifts, but those gifts are to benefit and to lift, not to crush and tear down. So may we never use our strengths against others to tear them down, but let us use our strengths to lift others up and let us allow other people's strengths to lift us up. Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much and that you help us in these things. And I do pray for your church, the universal church. It's the time that we are to grow up and to look like Christ. And so I thank you for working in us, Lord, culturally, generationally, relationally, that we would become one. As you prayed in John 17, that they may be one, even as you're one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would strengthen us in our unity and in our purpose and in the grace for our calls together that we may bring your kingdom here on earth as you see it in heaven. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I pray you were blessed and encouraged. One of my life scriptures is Hebrews 11.1 in the Jordan translation. It says, Now faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. It is betting your life on unseen realities. In Jesus Christ, you have what it takes to step into all God has prepared for you. If this episode's blessed you, please share it with someone else. I look forward to meeting with you again next week.